0: Good morning. Today's August 10th, and you are listening to the most random podcast on the planet. Stream of random. Where we try and contain our randomness somehow by picking a topic. Well, today, we're going to talk about computing, DevOps, and stuff for my life. <clears throat> so I recorded three or four podcasts yesterday I went on an epic walk but they're not the quality that you've come to expect with long long pauses me mumbling and getting lost in my thoughts so I deep six them for now but as is this therapy sessions that we're doing together you get to listen into my thoughts and I get to talk to my best friend Who's always there to listen to me, but doesn't always give me comments back. (coughs) Yes, and thanks for the voicemail in the last show. I have not uh, gotten into that account to actually play it, but it was recorded, and I'll have to change it to turn off the ring, so it goes straight to voicemail. So thanks a lot, and I will be publishing the number again. I just don't have it right now. But we're not going to talk about the show, because all talks about your own show is just advertising. We're going to talk about what you care about, which is not the show, not the medium, but the actual message. So here's the message, people. And maybe this hasn't gotten through to everybody yet. But when I talk about using Ansible, I'm not talking about SSHing into some server and running some script. Okay, I'm talking about infrastructure as code. So, <clears throat> I want you to think of a crystal, like a quartz crystal, a perfect one, that has a tip on one side and gets wider and wider and wider, and I like guess has a flat body, and then goes back to a tip. Right? It's like a diamond-shaped. Um. Hold on. (coughs) (coughs) Whoa, some allergies or something, pollen. Sorry about that. So you've got this uh, diamond shaped, but elongated. But even if you don't have an elongated one, just have a diamond shaped, a a square turned on its side. How's that? So at the very top, you have um, everything let's say so the top point of the triangle is everything with right top of the pyramid is everything and you look down on everything okay and um, the pyramid gets wider and wider and those are the things underneath everything like oh we've got the plants we've got the animals we've got minerals so you've got like your top-level categories at the top right and then it gets wider. It's like, oh, we've got animals underneath animals. We have, you know, vertebrae, invertebrates, etc. So you've got this classification hierarchy. And eventually, at the end, where the thing is the widest, the triangle is the widest. You have all of the individual species, let's say. Well, and then the triangle gets smaller, right? The the pure, uh, the diamond gets smaller until it gets to the point of nothing. At the very bottom, it's nothing. Okay, so you have at the very top, you have everything. And it gets wider and wider and wider. And at the very bottom, it's nothing. So, long story short, this is a lattice structure where you could pick things and say, okay, I want all the animals or I want all the vertebraes. And you would be able to pick out those vertebrae, and... Um, and then you could say, like you could have mammals, right? So you could have a category of mammals, and then you could have a category of bipedals. So you'd have chickens and humans both in bipedal, but they're not both mammals, all right? You've got birds and you've got mammals. Birds are not mammals, they do not breastfeed, they're uh, children, they lay eggs. So those are disjoint, those are separate, um, but they would both fall under bipedal. The point is that you would have different selectors and um, this is kind of how I think you should structure your, um, your facts, your dynamic facts. So here's what I do. So I have a custom dynamic uh, fact script that I wrote for work. Eventually I'm going to have to rewrite it um, in an open source version. Um, And basically it uh, does permutations on all these different um, attributes and like you've got different and you can list whatever attributes you want those are also dynamic so you could say oh well I've got environments and I've got prod and dev and I've got applications I've got billing and I've got shipping and I've got inventory and then I've got different other aspects like security and storage so if you permeate all of those and you've got like dev inventory storage prod shipping, you know, security, right? And you get all these different permutations. And then if you apply the lattice structure to that for groups, see, this is where it gets into grouping. You could say, well, I want to apply something to all of QA or all of dev. So you would have a group called dev, or I use environment underscore dev so I can prefix them. Um so I have a group called Environment Dev and it would have the children of that group would be all the dev environments. Right. So all the permutations that start with that subtree with environment all the ones that start out with environment dev, I would iterate over them or at least the next level. So It's a little bit of a complicated way to implement it, but basically I've created this structure, this lattice structure, and then um, when you start Ansible, you do not want to generate all of that inventory as it will be slow. So you just want to generate, like you give a selector and you give a label for the group that you want to run. You have a limit to the groups So then you want to uh, generate just that group and all of the parent groups that it's in, right? So if you say dev inventory, you want to generate generate all the inventories and all the environment devs, everything above it or below it, but nothing else. So that way you can um, reduce the amount of data because that is a slow process to actually load all that data And the more groups and the more complicated group structures you have in Ansible, the longer your runs will be. Now there's people who will generate AWS EC2 instances just like this. Um, So you just iterate over your inventory every time you run Ansible, and it generates this humongous list of, of groups and hosts and everything. And again, that will take forever and your Ansible runs will be totally slow. So in that case, you would also want to limit um, what you generate. And based upon the parameters to Ansible, you would want to only query those hosts which match certain tags. But I have an alternative for this. As I said, the lattice structure. So instead of... I'm recording this for my friend, Mr. A. I hope he listens to it instead of um, dealing with the random servers that people generated, I'm saying you created a permutation function that actually generates the structure that you want. You have to come up with a logical structure that will cover your existing hosts. It's like, you gotta think of the different categories. It's like, okay, we've got dev, we've got prod, we've got this project, we've got that project. We have these different aspects and you generate a list of hosts and you see if it will match your list of hosts, at least the categories. And then you can tweak that and add things in. Um, And once you've generated that structure, like the skeleton, once you've created your categorical skeleton using math and algorithm, then each of the nodes that you've generated, each of the dots on the, the lattice Can contain variable files where you can plug in the existing host name the existing ip address and so forth or you could tag your hosts and query them um, so they'll fit into the lattice so you've got two levels you've got your skeleton your lattice skeleton you've got your filtering your scope and then you've got the actual variable files which map that structure onto reality, vice versa. So you're gonna want to uh, take your inventory and um, look at it. And um, there's tools for tagging. So you're basically gonna wanna tag all of your hosts with different attributes so they map onto the the framework. Um, And the way I would do it is uh, Yeah, I would look at the data that you have um, and group it and look at the most common, like count by tag and look at different attributes um, and count the occurrences of those attributes and try to pick out the ones that are the largest and start tagging them. Even if you tag things like EC2 large, like these are all of our, our large instances, or 64 gigabytes, like that could be an attribute in your lattice, like memory size or CPU size, etc. or runs this process. So eventually, if you're trying to figure out what this thing is doing, you're gonna to want to capture uh, process information. What process is it, is it running? What is it actually doing? How much time is it spending on what process? And that will give you a good idea of what's going on. So once you've collected this intel on your running instances, and you can use Ansible for that, you can generate a dynamic inventory, log in, execute commands, and then pull that data back out. Like That's like the classical Ansible use case. Um then you can munch that data and try and make a better understanding of it so that's how I operate and then finally um, well now if you want to create an s3 bucket per uh, application and environment right so then you can create a a a uh, a role and a playbook that targets, let's say, application dev or inventory. And you can say, okay, these are the rules for creating an S3 bucket for inventory. The bucket should have this name and so forth and so forth. And then you can do a dry run and it'll go in and it'll collect the facts from AWS and it'll tell you if it wants to create that bucket or not with that naming convention. So it's not like Terraform, you don't need a a state file. It will dynamically query your state, right? You can, you basically have uh, playbooks at the top level where you can also specify what hosts you want to target, what roles you want to execute. Each role will have tasks that it does. So one role might be, you know, set up storage. The storage builder and the storage builder role will live in the playbook. So, the way I use Ansible is I have a generic playbook which takes the roles to execute from an environment variable. So, the site.yaml, whatever that I use, is completely generic and it just says include role, you know, environment name with a role name. Um, All right, so that's basically how I use Ansible. And um, now let's move on to my idea of the swipe deploy with the core function of an Ansible um, module deployed to S3. So you do not have to, and we haven't even gotten there yet. So you do not have to actually execute Ansible remotely. You can execute Ansible locally. So you say connection type is local, which means it's just gonna do a sudo and it's going to run as root on that machine. And you could also say, you don't have to be root, like become false. So that will turn off root. Um, <coughs> you can do a sudo. not and it basically will generate a, uh, a zip file locally which contains all the Ansible modules that you need and then um, it'll still require the libraries to be installed that are needed like if you need Bodo 3 to be installed to run it you have to install it yourself in the operating system on the target machine where it's gonna run. So if you're running that remotely, you also need Boto3 on that remotely. But we're running this locally. Morning. Hey, big donkey. That's a great day. Um. So the next step, so you uh, prepare your execution environment with the libraries you need, ideally in a container. Um, Then you um, tell Ansible to invoke it locally. So what it will do is it will create a main routine. Um, This is the ANSI balls, like space balls I guess. So the ANSI balls is a... uh, single file which contains all the modules in a zip that are inlined and then executed so I propose a alternative execution mechanism where um, we put all of the modules that you need into a lambda or a container and um, the main routine will just be one function saying import Ansible executor, and then execute this payload of a JSON or YAML. Uh, And that payload will be the Lambda payload that's being passed in. So, well, first of all, Lambda payload The parameters to the Lambda will be the JSON blob of the data. Uh, We also want to remove a bunch of internal stuff that's not needed. So you want to filter out some of those items. But in the end, you want to convert the um, sudo call of local to a Lambda function invocation. Now, yesterday in my unpublished podcast, I said, well, hey swipe deploy is going to, you know, I was struggling with the idea of what we're going to do for the um, execution. And I said, well, hey, um, do I want to go to Azure? Do I want to go to AWS? So what if I could describe my lambdas? Using Kubernetes and then just call a function that will transform them into whatever backend I want. So a Azure Function or an AWS Lambda or whatever. And then I googled that and I found Cubeless. So there's a couple of actually different um, things. There's Cubeless, which is running serverless functions on Kubernetes and then there's like some other ones Fission and FAAS functions as a service there's other libraries or tools for implementing this but Kubeless is supposed to be as close to Amazon Lambda as possible so now I'm thinking well what if I have the Ansible running and it executes the, the Ansible runner in a Kubernetes um, function using Kubeless. So you'd prepare a container, which contains all of the Lambda stuff that you need, which is an AWS layer. Um, and you would have that one function, the eval function And then you would um, change Ansible to call it via HTTP. So I think that would be a very cool way to do things. Um, And we could come up with a uh, a standard for invoking this. And we could have multiple backends. And eventually the backends could be, you know, AWS Lambda. But I think um, creating the cubeless container, creating everything in Kubernetes first, making sure it works, and then migrating that to the different cloud providers is a better interface. Um, Because you have everything ready to go. And in the case of a... um, Microsoft Azure you have your container storage all ready to go I mean there's your Kubernetes that's container storage so um, yeah and then we can apply cool things I was talking about like reduction in the container size by uh, removing code that's not used like profiling it so you get all these extra benefits that are monitoring and profiling. Um, Yeah, so I'm kind of liking this idea. And um, I'm thinking that would be uh, pretty awesome. And in the end, even if you deployed a cubeless... As a Fargate or some kind of tiny um, thing, like you might be able to do a minimal um, server that runs multiple and you know, multiple uh, AWS. Uh, a shared okay let me slow this down if you're going to run Kubernetes it gets expensive if you're running on AWS you're going to be paying for those servers to run okay so the question then becomes like how do you um, handle that Let's start off by saying, how about monitoring? So let's say that you would have some basic functions as a lambda and you would monitor them. And if these functions are being called often enough, eventually it would make sense at a certain threshold to actually route those to a dedicated instance running Kubernetes. So let's say, or a cluster, so that then you could spin up an instance right at peak times and adaptively provision your system so that actually would make sense in terms of cost savings because it's going to be cheaper to run your own function now in terms of security and context um, you're going to have to be able to uh, manage secrets and the IAM roles in AWS is great and having each lambda in its own IAM role is important and being able to um, manage that inside of the container or inside of kubeless would be very key Um, so if we're going to be running these functions in other people's accounts or assuming roles in other people's accounts to save money like oh yeah run this in my account for me Um, but we could also defer the execution and say okay well we're not going to run this in your account for you but we're going to um, let's say create a cloud formation script that if you execute it it will spin up a cluster or spin up a lambda, execute that lambda, and then shut it, delete it again, maybe. I mean, there might be ways that we could turn um, Ansible playbook execution into a cloud formation, right? So that it would emit what is needed And then, let's just be honest here, uh, maybe we could generate a state file from your infrastructure and generate a terraform that gets run. So there's all types of transformations that we could do, like creative ones, but I think this is a a path forward for me. And, um, yeah, I'm going to set this up And send this out, and I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for listening. Bye.